Do you struggle with mental health or know someone who does? Join Gabrielle and Sharice as they discuss all things mental health. Each episode will be packed with information on coping, healing, and living a well-balanced life. We hope you join us in session. and welcome back to In Session. So Gabrielle and I are back with another episode, um, episode two, and this episode is going to focus all about anxiety. So we all experience anxiety, right? So anxiety is a natural emotion. It's a natural state of being because we need it for survival. And so anxiety plays a crucial role for us, you know, in our everyday lives, if we sense danger or we need to, you know, get out of a dangerous situation, our anxiety kicks in and it helps us, right? Yeah. But what happens when anxiety becomes too much and it is, you know, coming into play a lot more than we want it to? It's right. kind of an overdrive and it, it hinders us from functioning in the way that we would like to. And so yeah. I guess we can talk a little bit about, um, you know, what that looks like. Gabrielle, if you have any thoughts on, you know, what that might look like. Yeah. I feel like anytime I hear the word anxiety, I always think of it as like intense worry because all of us like worry to a degree like, oh, I'm concerned about X, Y or Z. Anxiety comes into play when it's an intense worry that is persistent. Like and and I think I want to point this out. It has to affect your like everyday living. So it's not just I'm worried about something, but it's a constant worry and it's affecting how I live. And so for someone who may be struggling with anxiety, you could have this worry that just never goes away. You're always stressed to the point where you can't function. You can't live happily or, you know, kind of in the moment because you're constantly worried or concerned. So that's how I view it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the worry can come out of nowhere sometimes. So you're not even sure why you're worried. And then you're worried about why you're worrying. Yeah. And it causes you to have that, you know, that sense of, OK, you know, what's going on with me? Why am I so worried? What can I do? You start asking yourself more questions and your yeah. thoughts keep going on and on. And that just like contributes to the cycle of anxiety. And yes. so it can be really difficult to stop it once it gets going because, you know, it's just it's automatic sometimes. Like you're not even yeah. sure why you're worrying. It's just a thing that happens. And the I think the important thing is, is to realize when it's going on so that you can interject that cycle so it doesn't keep going rapidly and rapidly like out of control. Yes, yes. Something that you said that made a lot of sense was, of course, there's like a cycle to anxiety, but also like it comes out of nowhere. Right. I think sometimes we always believe it has to like have a root. And yeah, sometimes we can pinpoint like, hey, I'm feeling more anxious. Why is that? But other times you could just be living your life and okay, I have this survival instinct that kind of helps me out from time to time. But now I'm anxious. I don't know why. And I can't control it. Um, I think the out of control piece is what affects most people because, you know, I've had times where I'm worried about something like it's on my mind. I have a to do list, for example. I wake up. Oh, I need to make sure I call this person or I handle this today. But when it becomes a problem is when it's out of control and I can't stop my thoughts from racing. I can't stop, you know, even like physiological symptoms. Is my heart racing or my palms sweating? Right. So it can affect even like physical, you know, functioning to a degree. So, you know, have you been seeing a lot of that like in your practice and whatnot? 
Yes, absolutely. And I love what you said about just the out of control piece, right? Because it brings me back to thinking, you know, when it is so out of control, anxiety is lying to us and it's telling us, okay, what can you control in this situation? Even if it's not something that you really can control. And so that's what I'm seeing a lot of in my clients, especially with the pandemic and even with myself. We cannot control what the pandemic is doing, how long it's going on, you know, when is it going to end? And so for me at the, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, I was like watching news continuously. I was not taking any breaks and that was making me more anxious. But what my anxiety was telling me, it was like, you need to control something in this situation. And so I picked, you know, what I could, what I could focus on, which was the news, something I could control. I can control how much content I'm watching and what, you know, is getting into my brain which was news. And so I was sitting there just watching news hours after hours after hour, and I was getting more and more anxious. And I'm seeing that a lot with my clients, not necessarily the same situation of like sitting there and watching the news, but having to control different aspects that they can't necessarily control right now. Gotcha. Yeah. I like that piece about it being something that's out of control and I have to find something that I want to control because that happens quite frequently, right? Um, I know like the pandemic is such a perfect example, but even like students sometimes, like whether they're college students or high school, they can't control like maybe the amount of homework they're given or their friend group and what's going on socially. And so they'll find things to like fixate on. And oftentimes that's when it kind of ramps up and gets out of control. And so I think because we see it so much, do you feel like, um, because I've always struggled with this. Do you feel like anxiety is the cool trend to say like, hey, I have anxiety or, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think that the term is overused. So, you know, we all experience anxiety, right? Yeah. When you're saying like you have anxiety, like I don't know if people are meaning to say like they're just anxious in the moment or they have an anxiety disorder because there's a two there's two different distinctions between that. Yeah. So we can all have anxiety. But if you're taking it to the level where it's like, you know, I have this anxiety disorder, like I have anxiety, meaning like it's a lasting condition that can be taken out of context. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to point that out because as I was sitting here talking, I don't want people to think like, Hey, because you worry from time to time that you have like an anxiety Mm -hmm. disorder, right? Cause there is a difference. And Mm -hmm. I touched on it earlier, but is this significantly impacting your daily functioning? Because to a certain degree, having a like a healthy dose of concern or, you know, like anxiety and ish, right? It helps. But if it becomes to a point where it's out of control, it's persistent, constant, and it's disrupting your daily functioning, that's when we need to get help. We need to seek, you know, some further assistance with that. So I'm trying to think, would you say that um, anxiety has a theme at all? Or do you think it kind of just varies on the person? I definitely think there's a theme in the way that the cycle happens, right? And so the cycle is typically, you know, you get physically aroused, you know, something, a stimuli comes in and you're getting aroused, right? And so you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on, your thoughts are going. And then there's a misinterpretation of like what the stimuli is. And so for many people, it's like, okay, I'm in danger. I need to get out of here or, you know, something is wrong. And then you're anticipating something going wrong because of the misinterpretation. And so that is the cycle that's usually, you know, happening for anxiety. And of course, it's going to look different for, you know, different types of anxiety. So, for example, um, if you're scared of, you know, social situations or fearful of that, 
you're going to misinterpret different cues. It might not be danger necessarily, but it might be like, oh, these people are going to judge me. They're going to laugh at me. Yeah. And so the theme is pretty much similar for anxiety, but it's going to be different based on what your anxiety is geared towards. Gotcha. Gotcha. I really like that. Um, the key word that I, I picked up on that was like the misinterpretation of the stimuli, right? It's mm-hmm. like I, I perceive this incorrectly that, oh my gosh, I'm in danger. I need to panic, right? And so I think um, kind of to our listeners out there, if you're in those moments, like those anxious moments, ask yourself, am I accurately interpreting the situation or could I be magnifying this to a degree? Or am I letting my thoughts run wild as we say, Right. So the misinterpretation is huge. And, you know, something that I did when we were getting ready to talk about anxiety, I asked myself, like, okay, if I knew nothing about anxiety and somebody wanted to, like, hey, let's chat about anxiety, what would I tell them? Right off the top of my head, I thought of words. So I said, okay, when I hear anxiety, what comes to mind? And so what came to my mind were things like stress, things like worry. Here's a weird one, which was avoidance. And I want to pause there because sometimes anxiety does cause us to avoid situations. And so, of course, an easy one is like social anxiety. But even if there's like stress or anxiety associated with schoolwork, if you avoid like, oh, I don't want to read this chapter. I don't want to start this paper. Sometimes, yes, it is procrastination. But other times we can have those anxious moments and we start avoiding it because we're like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting stressed out. I can't do this paper. I'm overwhelmed. And we avoid. So avoidance is something that I kind of associate with anxiety. What about you? Absolutely. Avoidance is the number one strategy that anxiety is going to tell you to use. Yeah. And it's good for the moment. So here's why. So if I have a big paper coming up and I have like six other assignments that I need to do, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't want to think about it. And so I set out my time, say, like, tomorrow I'm going to do my work. Mm-hmm. And the time comes around and I'm like, OK, it's making me anxious. My anxiety is going to tell me to do something else so the anxiety could subside. And what's Mm going to happen is I'm going to do something else. I'm going to watch Netflix (laughs) and the anxiety has gone away because I don't have to think about that paper or those assignments anymore. Right. But then what happens if you keep avoiding, it becomes a bigger thing Mm because now you have like less time to do it. Mm. And so your anxiety becomes bigger. And then anxiety makes you make a choice. It's going to force you to make a choice. You can either do the homework and then the assignments in the paper or you can not do it. And both are kind of negative consequences. So one is like you have to cram to do everything and you're more anxious or you just don't get it done and you might end up, you know, getting zeros or you're not being able to turn stuff in. Absolutely. Right. And I, I like the fact that you said in the moment it helps. Right. Like in the moment, this is a really good strategy to kind of get that anxiety to go bye bye. But you end up in our example, you, you're left with less time. And so I think um, if you're listening out there, be aware of that because we mentioned there's a cycle, there's a theme to anxiety. Catch yourself, right? If you need to reset, take a breath, take a moment, but make sure that you're not like going farther into this cycle to where I am left with less time and the anxiety is just going to grow, grow and get out of control. Um, something else that I kind of associate with anxiety is like physical symptoms. And so both myself and other people that I've talked to kind of describe anxiety almost like eating away at their stomach. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like not nauseous, but have you ever been like sick to your stomach where I'm so worried that my insides feel all twisted? That's another key like symptom sometimes of anxiety. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know symptoms are the number one thing that can kick off a cycle of anxiety. And so the symptoms start coming in and it's telling your body, okay, something is is not right. Something is wrong. When that doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not always true. You know, you can be a little bit anxious and you can have shortness of breath, right? Or, you know, say you just got off the treadmill or something Mm -hmm. and you need a short, short breath. And you have anxiety and that shortness of breath is signaling, okay, like I'm dying. Like I'm going to need to go to the car. It makes the yeah, symptoms yeah. worse in the moment. So it makes your shortness of breath even, you know, it makes mm-hmm. it even, even harder to breathe in the moment. And so that yeah. cycle starts getting going rapid and rapid and it's hard to stop it. And so in that mm-hmm. cycle, you know, what I was yep. describing was also the anticipation of what's going to happen. So when you have that shortness of breath, you're anticipating something that's not necessarily true. So, for example, you know, having to go to the ER or something drastically wrong with you when really it could be you just got off the treadmill and your heart rate is elevated Mm -hmm. from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think highlighting that fact of am I interpreting, you know, what I'm experiencing correctly, because sometimes we don't. Right. And of course, it gets difficult when we're in the moments, but that's why we're here. So we're talking about it. Um, I think about certain like tendencies or habits, and I'm I'm guilty if you're listening. But you know, sometimes we do nervous habits, and we don't recognize that our body is trying to tell us we're wound up a little bit. And so for me, if I'm in my head a whole lot, if I'm thinking about something and I don't realize it, I will bite my nails like just relentlessly. And I used to think, oh, I just have like a bad habit. But I realized, hey, I'm always biting my nails when I'm like deep in thought about something that I'm kind of like continuously mulling over. And so not only is it probably not the best habit, but I also was not um, like thinking the most healthy because I was just kind of ruminating on it. And so when I find myself biting my nails now, I kind of ask myself, okay, are you stressed about something? Like, let's get this this thought on paper because it's it, clearly it's bothering you. And so I take the time, I dissect the thought. And lo and behold, I can stop biting my nails. So sometimes, um, yes, we have bad habits. And other times they may be telling us that our body is anxious and we're not paying attention to it. Right. That is so great. I think what you're doing is you're paying attention to what your body is telling you and you're analyzing it. You're saying, okay, what are the thoughts telling me that's making me continuously like continue to bite my nails, even though, you know, that's not what I want to be doing. And so you actually do something, you stop, you get a piece of paper and you're writing down, okay, what is the thought that I'm having? You know, is this true? You know, what else can I be thinking? And so that's called like challenging your thoughts, which I love. Everyone knows I'm a big CBT person that works on your cognitions. And so really looking at your thoughts and, and really addressing them and saying, okay, this thought is leading to, you know, why I'm behaving the way that I am or why I'm thinking these type of thoughts. And so what else can I put in its replacement or in its place to make me feel a different type of way about the situation? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, she is, first of all, Sharice is one of the best (laughs) CBT therapists that I know. And I think she probably spurred a love for CBT. Like we both learned it together, but she always was like, yes, CBT. And I was kind of like, girl, I don't know. But um, <laughs> now I, I have a great appreciation for it. Um, I think we're, we're similar in some ways. I do um, lean a little bit more to some other modalities. But CBT, for me, anxiety is, is like a perfect match, right? Because what she just detailed, like challenging that thought, particularly when we are in those anxious moments, for me at least, I found that it helps really simplify it. Because I think sometimes with anxiety, everything is so magnified and it's it's larger than life. It's too big to handle. 
but challenging a thought sometimes makes it so simple and it helps us just kind of take it in bite-sized pieces so that we can manage it a little bit better. So I love that, which kind of talks about like, how do we cope with this, right? Because we, we're identifying what it is. We know that it, how it can affect us. How in the world do we manage it, right? So what do we do, Sharice? Well, I think a lot of what you said, right, and what we were talking about was the challenging. And so a big thing about challenging your thoughts is that you have to be patient because it takes a lot of practice. And I think that's why a lot of people like ditch CBT or, you know, clients don't buy in all the way is because it doesn't necessarily work right off the bat. Um, You have to really stick with it. Um, So what happens is you start to challenge your thoughts and it might not work right away. And you're like, oh, like I still have my old thought, like I still feel the same. And you're going to feel like that beginning. But your brain did not start thinking these thoughts overnight. And so your brain is not going to start thinking the other opposite thoughts that you're challenging overnight either. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some work. But what happens is when you can change your thoughts, it becomes the new automatic thought for you. And so emotions start to change and the outcomes start to change. And so you start to do more adaptive behavior that reinforces your thought. So your your behaviors are no longer reinforcing your old thoughts, but your new behavior is reinforcing the new thoughts that you're having. And it just takes practice, but that's like yeah. new for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that entire process, as you mentioned, it, it really kind of cha- changes like how we think entirely. And so that's why I think it is such a slower process because for some of us, we are, you know, we figure out we have anxiety later on in life, right? Or even if you found out young, your body at that point has become attuned to operating this way. Your mind has found this pattern. It's in this cycle that's their new normal, right? And so trying to change that is something that just takes time. And, you know, outside of just challenging thoughts, there are a couple other things, I guess, that kind of help manage your symptomology, maybe. Like if we're not just trying to do the hard work to, you know, actually change those patterns of thinking to get out of that cycle, while you're working through that, do some things that kind of help ease the pressure, like take the lid off a little bit. And so um, a couple of things that I think kind of help is this is a a hot topic for some people, but sometimes we're just overstimulated, right? Whether that I drink a lot of sodas or I drink a lot of caffeine, be it coffee, whatever. Watch out for that kind of stuff because don't get me wrong. I love a good, you know, coffee, right? But if I'm always wound up and I'm still feeding myself caffeine, 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 it's not going to make it better, right? So pay attention to your body while you're trying to work through the CBT or work through challenging those thoughts pay attention to what you're consuming because if you're sleeping too little or if you're wired up on caffeine, you're probably going to have some of that symptomology and anxiousness is going to be there, right? Yes. I think when you are wound up and you do have a lot of caffeine, a lot of sugar going on, <laughs> you your reactions are kind of limited. Like you have less control over your reaction sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so that can be something to be aware of. And so we're not saying like to cut all of this out of your diet or to just right. coffee because, you know, people need coffee to function. I know that. And so <laughs> it's not about just stopping cold turkey, but it's about, okay, having a cup of coffee and then maybe having some water in between your next cup yeah. of coffee or doing something else. Love that. Instead of just doing coffee back to back. And so start yes. small, small Balance. steps, like we said last time, right? Small yeah. steps are key. Balance, right? I love that. Even like, I'm going to have a cup, substitute some water in there. If I need another cup, sure. And again, 
small steps. If you guys listened to our first episode, we talked about how baby steps are important, right? You don't have to come out the gate changing everything. We can take small steps and we will get there. So yes, absolutely. If you do find yourself gravitating towards, you know, too much caffeine, start small, make a small adjustment. Um, Also, something that I kind of like, we mentioned it earlier with like the thoughts, but even sometimes just regular journaling, even if you aren't going to try to like challenge a thought, journal down what you're feeling, journal down what you're thinking. Um, A lot of people that I talk to who sometimes have anxious moments or who struggle with an anxiety disorder, they talk about how their thoughts just feel jumbled. Like my mind is running a hundred miles per minute and I just can't get it to stop, right? And so journaling is sometimes a really great technique to just get your thoughts on paper, even without trying to figure them out. So like, don't put pressure on what you're writing, just write, you know, just let your pen flow, let your pencil flow and um, kind of get your feelings on paper. Do you, do you like that idea, Sharice? I love that. And I always recommend that to my clients because journaling is like an easy, simple, healthy way to get the emotions out there instead of leaving them in. And I love what yeah. you said about just, um, about getting it out there on paper and you don't have to think about necessarily what the thoughts is, but just mindlessly doing it. And so what that teaches your brain is that it's okay to have whatever thought you're having. You don't have to judge them. Yeah. Your thoughts are okay. They're not necessarily true all the time, but they're okay Mm -hmm. to be in your head. It's, it's, it's worrisome and it's, it brings you anxiety to have a lot of them like in there at one time. But as you learn to kind of mindlessly get them out there and and learn that, okay, it's okay to have thoughts. I think that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. And actually while you were talking, this is kind of a funny example. I love the movie Shrek and I, (laughs) I can't remember if it's Shrek one or Shrek two. So if you're a Shrek fan, please do not hate me if I get this wrong. But in one of the Shrek movies, um, Donkey is singing the song about I'm a believer. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, oh, I think God. it's in Shrek Yes. Okay, okay. So he's singing the song about I'm a believer. And I am such a believer in journaling, kind of getting those thoughts on paper. So yes, if you don't remember anything we say, journaling is awesome. I'm a believer that it works. And kind of in addition to that, um, this is kind of like a hit or miss with some people, but meditative practices, right? Meditation, some deep breathing, things that just kind of slow you down. Um, a lot of times if you are anxious, that's kind of the opposite of what you want to do because you're like, how can I sit still? But if you can um, discipline yourself to find a deep breathing exercise that works for you or engage in some type of like meditative practice, it could be even yoga sometimes, just anything that sort of calms your body, calms your mind. I found that if we let it, it works. Key phrase is if we let it. If I'm anxious and I don't want to let go of the anxiousness, I'm probably just going to get frustrated when I try to meditate or something like that. But if I approach it with an open mind and I'm willing to sort of slow down for a moment, meditation can be really powerful. Right. And I know you, Sri, sometimes recommend like deep breathing and things, right? Yeah, I always recommend at least people trying it, even if they're a little hesitant. And so it's another thing that takes practice. But what it does is... I call my clients time travelers who have anxiety. So usually they're focused on the future or they're focused on the past. And that's not helpful because we get stuck there and we're missing out on what's going on right now. So we're missing the cues that are happening for us right now. And that makes us more anxious because we don't feel like we have control over what's going on right now. And so what meditation does, or, you know, even just deep breathing for a little bit out of the day, it, it puts you in the present moment. 
And so it allows you to focus on what's going on for you and your body right then and there. So you're not in the past, you're not in the future. You're just present with yourself. And as you practice that, you become to be, you learn to be present majority of the time. And so your anxiety lessens overall. Yes, yes. Present moment is key, guys, because I love the time travel example, (laughs) right? But yeah, it is. It's all about being present. And honestly, kind of something you said from the beginning that keeps sticking out is just interpreting what we're feeling, what we're experiencing accurately, because sometimes we can think something and it may not be true, right? We don't have to judge it, but we have to accept that, hey, maybe I am you know, um, feeling this right now, but it doesn't mean that it's true. Maybe I am, like you said, on that treadmill, just finished running. Oh my gosh, my breathing, my heart rate. It's okay that I'm thinking this, but is it true? Let me, let me take a minute. Let me calm down, focus in the present. And, um, with anxiety, that's a lot of what it is, is slowing things down. So, um, I guess as far as coping, find what works for you. Um, Sharice just kind of mentioned, at least try it, right? Whether you choose to try meditation or deep breathing, If you try journaling, um, I always recommend people do what works for them. And so for some people, one thing might work. Um, You could be best friends with somebody and they can tell you, hey, you know, I struggle with anxiety and this is what I do. And you could try it and it like not works. So the key thing is to just try something that works for you and, you know, experiment with that because this is a process. Just because we try something and it doesn't work doesn't mean that nothing will work. It just means we have to find the right thing, right? So take the time to figure out what that is for you. Do you, Sharice, have any um, final comments on anxiety before we move into some fun things on our podcast today? Well, everything you said was perfectly. And I love how you were talking about just like evaluating the thought. And because when we're in this, we're ignoring certain facts because you said our thoughts aren't always factual. They're not always accurate, right? And so... I would recommend you know, everyone who's listening, when you have a thought and it's you know backed by anxiety, think about this. So think about, are you thinking about the best case scenario, the worst or the most likely? Yeah. You know, and so what usually happens is anxiety is going to gear you towards the worst possible outcome. Okay. But Every what's most likely to happen is the most likely outcome. But you're not seeing that because the anxiety is kind of in control there. And so yeah. really like even getting your journal and just writing out, okay, best, worst, you know, what's least likely because yeah. most likely is most likely going to happen. And the worst is the least likely to actually happen. And so yes. think about that and kind of, you can start, you know, just even addressing that without a pen and paper. Like when you have anxious thought, yeah. if you're on public, just think, okay, best, least, you know, worst in your head. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know, I think that kind of wraps up our anxiety talk perfectly. Please try that technique. Anything that we you know, mentioned today, feel free to try it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all things anxiety. And we actually are moving into something that we love, which is our question and answers, because we asked you guys episode one to DM us, send us some questions, and we got some really good responses. And so we chose two questions for today, and we're going to talk about it, right? Because we want you guys to know that we hear you and we see you. So one of the first questions that we got was, what is mental health? And how do I know or when do I know that I need to seek help? Which this is a great question. And Rachel Alexis actually asked this question. So shout out to Rachel Alexis. And we are so excited to answer that. So Sharice, how would you define like mental health is blank? What would you say? 
So mental health is, you know, your state of being. So for me, it's being psychologically and emotionally healthy. Um, And so when I mean healthy, I don't mean being perfect or being able to handle everything, you know, in a in a in a positive way, because that's not always, you know, accurate or not always realistic. And so I think it's more so being able to cope with what's going on in your daily life. And so we have things like work, relationships, school, just daily stressors, even crises that come up. And so it's being able to have some coping skills to be able to handle that without it spinning you into your own crisis. And going into your own crisis is not bad, but if you're staying there for a long period of time, that I think is when you should seek help. Like if you can't come out of the crisis alone, or you notice that you're there for a longer period of time than you would like to, then I think Mm -hmm. that it's time to get help. And a good way of knowing that is asking yourself, is this affecting my daily functioning? Is this affecting what I wanna be doing? So for example, if you wanna be going to work, if you want to be getting out of bed, being a present parent, but you don't feel like you can yeah. get out of bed, you don't feel like you can go to work and you're not doing those things and you're like, wow, like I really wish I could. That's when you know mm-hmm. that's interfering with your daily functioning. Yes, that is key. That is really, really key because, yes, all of us are going to experience some things that, you know, could be our own version of a crisis situation. But, yeah, it's can I manage this on my own? If it gets to the point where I can no longer you know, pick myself up. If I can't like, you know, dust myself off as they say and keep trucking, if I'm finding it difficult to do the things that I want to do. And I love the parent example because for some people it is something very clear like that. Like I want to hang out with my friends. I want to be present with my family, but I can't like, you know, I'm mentally exhausted. And I think exhaustion is, is a real big word for mental health because you don't have to always know what's wrong, but if you find yourself always exhausted, and I'm not talking about physically like tired from working out or not getting sleep, but if mentally you feel like you're in this fog or you're just tired all the time and you can't seem to shake this dark cloud in a sense, seek some help. Um, I recommend anybody, even if you just, hey, maybe I'm not really struggling, but I want to be sure. There's nothing wrong with just being sure. Um, I I tell clients that some people may be in an active crisis and they want help with that. Other people, they kind of want to just keep their car working in good order, right? Like we get regular oil changes on our car. Nothing has to be wrong. We just get an oil change. So even if you think overall I'm okay, but I just want to make sure I want to stay like top of my game in a sense, seek out some help, get you a therapist, find somebody that's a good fit and keep a watch on your mental health because that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Right. I love what you said about nothing has to be necessarily wrong with you to get therapy. And yeah. I think a lot of people recognize that. I think it's like, okay, they have a diagnosis or, you know, they're going through a crisis. They just lost someone. And while those are all great reasons to come to therapy and get, you know, continuous care, there doesn't have to be yeah. any specific reason for you to come. So maybe if you're even thinking about, ooh, would therapy be good for me? Just try it out and see if you like it. Um, yeah. And if you guys ever Absolutely. need any resources or anything to you know, help find a therapist in your area, just please feel free to contact us and we will help you yeah. get some resources. Yes, that's why we're here. So again, Rachel Lexis, thank you for your question. I, I hope we answered it. If not, DM us again. We'll, we'll kind of tackle it again. And I think we have one more, right, Sharice? Yes. So this question is from Robert Calloway. And so his question is, how would y'all recommend someone escape their old habits that lead into their old negative mindset? How do you suggest 
someone go about maintaining a healthy mind so they can further themselves. So it sounds like he's, you know, asking about goals and how to create this healthy yeah. mindset to get him to where he wants to go. And so, Gabrielle, what are your thoughts on that question? The first thing that stuck out to me when he said, how do I escape like this maybe negative mindset? Right. And I think the first thing to realize is that it doesn't have to be an escape. Because a lot of times when we think about an escape, it's like, okay, I'm in this place. I got to get out like right now. I need to, it's an immediate type of like exit. And sometimes with mental health and even bad habits, there's no like immediate exit route. I wish there was, right? I really wish there, there was something you could do that immediately changes it. But instead, I think instead of trying to escape it, how can I exercise a new habit or a new you know, frame of reference to think and to live and to be so that I'm healthier, that I'm stronger mentally, behaviorally, et cetera? And so I, I would honestly say start with figuring out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Do just like an internal assessment real quick on yourself and say, if I do have this negative mindset, if I do have this you know, kind of habit of always falling into this pattern, what am I doing? That's kind of keeping me there. Identify it. Like maybe this is a weakness of sort. Do I kind of overwhelm myself with my thoughts? Am I always thinking like Cherie said about the worst case scenario? What am I doing that's contributing to this? And then look at yourself and say, well, what am I doing right? What do I already do well that I could just kind of apply to a different area? And so um, that's something that a lot of us don't do. We don't spend a lot of time like applauding ourselves for the good that we do have. Because yeah, we have things we could work on, but you have strengths too. So find something that's your strong suit and then ask like, how can I apply this to change this mindset that I don't necessarily want or that's not necessarily helpful? So that's where I would start. What do you say? I love the idea of doing the internal assessment, right? Because I think that can really help us look at ourselves. And, and like you said, figure out what are the strengths because yeah. your mindset is not necessarily always negative, and so what are yeah. the thoughts that you have about yourself? What are your strengths that can contribute to what, where you're trying to go and what your goals are? And so by using those strengths, use that to kind of fuel where you're trying to go um, and figure out really, I guess, with the internal assessment, kind of figure out what's fueling the negative mindset right now. Like yeah. what thoughts are going on for you and what behaviors is that leading to? And then how is the behaviors like reinforcing that thought? And so yeah. really digging deep and finding out, OK, what is my cycle? Where can I interject this cycle to change something, whether that's changing a behavior that I'm doing or whether that's changing a thought that's going to change the behavior, interjecting that cycle somewhere and doing that for a consistent amount of time and seeing how that's going to lead to, you know, bettering yourself to reach your goal. Yeah, yeah. And something that I think therapy is a really great resource for is when we are thinking about goals, like whether a lifestyle or a mental health Having a therapist, it's not about us telling you our opinion and like, oh, you should do this or this is what we recommend. But it's about walking you through your life and what you've experienced and for you to figure out and you to discover this is what I want for my life. Right. And so if you are interested in setting goals for yourself and maybe changing some things in your life. Therapy is a really great resource to help you discover that, to, not necessarily to hold your hand, but to walk beside you. Because sometimes we need that partner, right? That that support system, that accountability partner. Um, and, and therapy truly is a gift of accountability, because if you and your therapist establish goals, our job is to make sure, OK, are we doing the necessary steps to get you there? Right. And so. If you struggle sometimes of like falling back into this negative mindset or these negative habits, coming to therapy, getting a therapist, we're not your friend. So we're not going to tell you like what you want to hear per se, 
but we're here to hold you accountable and say, are we doing the things necessary to reach those goals? So those are just a couple of things you could try. But I love what you said, Sharice, about just interjecting that cycle, because that is truly where a lot of the hard work begins. Yes. And I love how you brought up like therapists are not there to like recommend you do anything or tell you to do anything because that's solely my stance in therapy. I hardly ever recommend something. Um, Yeah. It's really like you said about, you know, walking beside you on your journey. Um, And it's not, you know, holding your hand or like coddling you, but it is having that accountability. And so my like idea of therapy for all my clients is that everyone has the ability to change. Like it's already within you. You have you have it. Whatever is yep. in you, even if you think it's all negative, it's never all negative, but you have whatever is in you to, to, and you can take that to change. Yep. Absolutely. You are capable. I hope you guys heard that. You already have what it takes. And that's what we're here to help you discover through this podcast. So I hope we answered your question. Those are just two. Um, if you liked our answers or liked our responses, feel free to DM us. Let us know how we did. But we actually have a surprise for you guys. Sharice, tell them what we're doing. All right, guys. So we are doing a giveaway. Woo! Um, so the giveaway, um, we're going to launch it when we launch this episode. So more details will be given on the post. Um, and so yeah. to enter the contest, you're going to have to either uh, write a review or um, share the post. So with the review, it's going to be on Apple Podcasts. I think that's the only platform where you can write a review. So we want you to listen to, you know, episode one or two um, or both, Um, leave a star rating and then, you know, write about what you heard and about what was like relatable to you or what you liked, what you didn't like. Just give us some feedback so you can either do that. And if you have Apple Podcasts and you have like social media and you share the post, that's two entries. And so you can do both to get two entries. So I recommend doing that so you can have higher chances of winning. It will be a $50 Visa gift card so you can spend it wherever you like. The contest will be live once we release the episode and it'll go through Friday. So we'll announce the winner on Friday. That's March 5th. So make sure that you're sharing our content and that you, you know, give us some ratings on Apple Podcasts and give us some reviews. Yes, we are so excited. I cannot wait. So I'm looking forward to those reviews. I'm looking forward to the shares and enter because you could win $50 gift card. I know $50 can go a long way right now. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, use it on whatever. It could be gas. It could be food. It could be pampering yourself. But $50 is on the table, guys. So do not leave it there. Um, we so enjoyed chatting with you today. I hope that we gave you some helpful insight on anxiety And again, I'm Gabrielle and I'm here with Sharice and we just enjoyed you guys. Please come back again for episode three. We um, love your suggestions. So DM us. Sharice, you are at, what's your handle for social? It is uh, Thrive Therapy Tuscaloosa. So please feel free. If you have any questions that you want us to address on episode three, please just DM us. Yes. She's at Thrive Therapy Tuscaloosa. I'm at Soul Therapy. So hit us up. Let us know what you want to hear. And don't forget, get that giveaway, get that money, and we look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you for tuning in. See you next time.